Welcome to Younger Older. I'm Dave Wager, your host, coming to you from Relate365.com studios on the campus of the Nicolay Bible Institute here in northern Wisconsin. And the, the Nicolay Bible Institute is a ministry that's a part of Silver Birch Ranch. We also have another ministry called the Wild, well, it's not called the Wild, it's called the Wolf River Refuge. I was going to call it the Wild Wolf River Refuge. It is pretty wild. Yes, and, and Matthew's with us today. And Matthew, you have been entrusted by God to work in that ministry. What do you, what do, you do there? What is the Wolf River Refuge? So the Wolf River Refuge is a smaller satellite campus uh, just five miles down the road from Silver Birch Ranch. And um, we have a series of cabins there um, that through an act of God, he just kind of put into our lap. And um, we've been trying to grow the kingdom through those cabins. And what that looks like is um, a lot of family getaways, um, solo prayer retreats. We have some small groups from churches and stuff like that, um, couples getaways, and of course, some more formal retreats as well. We've done uh, men's retreats, women's retreats, uh, fishing retreats, hunting retreats. Cool. You name now, it. Now, do, do you mean people actually come up there and have a prayer retreat? retreat? What What do you mean by that? Yeah, so it varies. So um, I actually have someone over there right now that is um, doing a silent prayer retreat on their own. They came up for the weekend just to invest in their relationship with Christ. So they're wow. just reading and praying. and. Wow. You know, there's people probably listening, and they're, they're very busy in life, and they're thinking, boy, that sounds good, and and that maybe they should do something like that. And I'm thinking, well, why don't you then? Right. Well, I mean, Jesus prayed to the Father, and he was one with the Father. How much more should we be praying if, if that's the case? Right, and often he went away to do it. Yeah. Uh, I, I was listening to a podcast once, and the guy said, a change of place and a change of pace equals a change in perspective. If you really want to change a perspective on something or you want to gain a perspective, you really need to change your place and change your pace for a little bit and look at what you're trying to figure out and allow yourself some time to think it through. And sometimes in our culture, we can't do that. So I want to invite those listening. You want to see Matthew in person. You want to uh, get away and do some thinking, whether it just be you, a couple, a family can actually do it, mm -hmm. correct? Uh, you can go to wolfriverrefuge.org. O-R-G. That's correct. Okay. And uh, look it up, and you can get all the details there. Matthew would be glad to communicate with you. Now, now, Matthew, you're part of a staff, Silver Birch Ranch and Wolf River Refuge, you know, the whole shebang here. Uh, why are you doing this with your life rather than going out and, you know, making money or doing something? Well, not that you don't make any money, but it, certainly you could do better if you wanted to uh, go into some secular business. But you've chosen this life. What is it that motivates you in life? Well, ultimately, um, you know, I wasn't originally uh, planning on camp ministry. I had grown up going to camp every now and then. Um, but it wasn't something that I ever really thought about uh, being a, a career. Okay. It's one of those things that was like, as you were growing up, it was like almost a dream job. And you, you put that on a back burner and you're like, well, yeah. cool. Who does those things cool, for but, real? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and after uh, I got my master's degree down in Springfield, Missouri, after that, um, my wife and I, we were just looking for the next step. And um, due to a series of um, unfortunate and due to the grace of God, fortunate events, um, just felt called to um, camp ministry. I'm originally from northern Wisconsin, and so this was uh, um, an easy decision to move back in this direction on that front. And Silver Birch Ranch just... 
uh, was a perfect opportunity to just explore where God um, had intended for me and Kelsey to be during this time in our life. So that's really exciting and uh, very fortunate that I um, have the pleasure of being the director of the Wolf River Refuge and enjoying all those guests that come through and um, being a part in their story. And It's uh, really cool because what you did, you came up as a, an intern first. Just I did. To, to, you know, with learning how to host groups and that kind of thing, did a great job. And, and that's really the fun part of life is being able to see how you can grow and develop, but you have to be intentional about it. Definitely. You can't just sit around saying, I'm waiting for God to open all these doors. I, whenever a kid tells me that, I tell him, well, what if he wants you to break down the door? Right. You, you look at things and go, hey, do you ever think about the open door kind of thing that people talk about if you're a Christian? Like, I'm waiting for God to open some doors. So let me throw some, some scenarios at you. Go for it. Uh, was the door open for Noah? I mean, was that really an open door? Build a boat in a mountain, and this made sense, and it was easy? It certainly doesn't seem like a doorway. It, no, it doesn't, and it doesn't seem like it'd be real easy. No. So a lot of times when kids come to me and they'll say, I, I'm just asking God to open a door, and I, I usually ask them, what do you mean by that? Do, do you mean you just want like a paved street and something open, and that's how it works? I think that's kind of what we've, you know, tricked ourselves into thinking. Yeah, I don't think, it never worked that way for me. Then I look back at other places in the Bible, you know, I mean, weren't Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel, weren't they like prisoners? I, I think I might have heard that. Yeah, that's not an open door. <laughs> I mean, I, I wouldn't think of it as that. Right. Now, you could twist it, I guess, and say, oh, yes, it was. See, they had this opportunity, that, so it was an open door. Okay, I get it. And I'm not saying that God doesn't set things up, but I think that uh, there's many people in life who start on a journey. Mm-hmm. They're not sure where they're going to head. So you better have some basics in mind first. Sure. Like, what do you want to accomplish? If I were to come to you, Matthew, and say, what do you want to accomplish in life? At the end of your life, you're on your deathbed now, you're looking back. What What do you want to have satisfaction in your mind knowing at that moment? Um, well, I mean, ultimately, of course, you know, we want God to be glorified, but I want him to be glorified through... Um, my relationship with my wife, uh, first and foremost, that is, that is my first ministry. Right. Um, I wanted to be glorified in my, you know, the rest of my family, whatever that looks like as time progresses in this world. And uh, in my career, both at the job site and off the job site, because ultimately, you know, your career as a Christian is not just what you do at work. It is the work that you do for the kingdom. Right. Who knows what that looks like, but. Now, do you know when you're going to die? Uh, no, uh, no. No, actually you don't. Neither yeah, do I. I'm a terrible guesser on that one. Yeah. But you will die. I think so, yeah. I think that's probably a, bad, a and, safe and bet. And how long will you be dead? Um, <laughs> until God decides otherwise. Yeah. You know, and, and, until judgment and resurrection and... Yeah, to be absent to from the body, be present with the Lord. And but, but the cool thing is, I mean, when you think about it, okay, how long is the life right now... In, in perspective to what God understands about what life really is. Oh, just a, a blip on the Yeah, radar. and so we can get totally absorbed mm-hmm. in right now. What is it that causes you to think of the magnificent and the bigness and the grandioseness, if that's a word, of God? Um, well, I mean, there's a, a lot of things. Um, I think that what draws us a lot of times 
first and foremost, not even uh, even before we're Christians, of course, is um, the creation that God has before us, that he placed us in, um, that he ultimately put us um, here on this earth to yeah. keep and to cultivate. Favorite moments for you. When you look oh, at, no. at creation, favorite moments. What what are things when you look at you go, wow, mm. anything? There, There's a bunch. Well, well, top of your list, three or four of them. Okay. Um, I would say, ooh, man, that's a, that's a tr- tough question. All right, I'll start with mine. You can think. Yeah, do that. Sunrises and sunsets. You know, I'm 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 always fascinated by them. Yeah. Especially the last couple of years, it seems, for some reason. They've been gorgeous at times. Vibrant. Yeah. And I'm looking at them going, whenever that happens, I look at it and I go, without a doubt, if I see a beautiful sunrise or sunset, my first thought is, way to go, God. I mean, yeah. really nice, really nice this morning. And then I have to stop and look at it because, I don't know if you noticed, they disappear fast. They do. It's like... It's only going to be there for you know probably less than a minute sometimes. It's there when it's at that peak and it's gorgeous and you look at it. But you see, I wonder how many people, and I used to be one of them, would miss the magnificence of that moment. Because what I picture actually is God sitting in heaven looking down going, watch this, Dave. You know, I mean, I got something for you today. Let's take a look at this baby. And he did, not just me either, but... But because he's a God that's everywhere at once and personal, I can think, wow, God, great job. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. So for me, I think it's sunrises and sunsets. Uh, another quick one, we, when we, you know, we've gone fishing together. You see those little brookies. I mean, I, those, are, those are gorgeous little fish. They are amazing creatures. Yeah, so, I mean, they're not only good to eat. I mean, that's another story by itself. But they're, you pull them out of the, the creek or the little river you're in and, and uh, it's they're really quite amazing looking. You learn a new color every time you look at a trout. Yeah, yeah. So again, God's creativity, and um, I think those who are are bound up in watching too much television, too many media things in their life, are missing some of the the direct revelation from God saying, "I love you," by by not getting out in the woods and not hiking, not fishing, not looking at a sunrise or a sunset. Um, I'm actually more of a sunrise guy than a sunset. I'll look at the sunset, but usually I'm up at 4.30 in the morning, and where I sit and read, I can watch the sunrise. And um, and if it's gorgeous, it always captivates me, always. Uh, I just put a picture out the other day uh, as I was doing it because I think people might get tired of that too. It's like, another sunrise from this guy? Get out of here. Um, however, they're gorgeous. Uh, your Your things, things that you have seen that just kind of stop you. Um, I think one thing that's really uh, kind of coming into my mind is um, not spe- not a specific scenario, but um, or, or time rather. But um, there are sometimes when you're just going through the woods and you see these these trees. You know, a lot of times it's cedars or something like that. But these trees that over just decades or centuries have just been so perseverant that they just work their way through the cracks of these huge boulders. Oh, yeah. And they've got so so little soil to work from. Yeah. And, oh, they just, I don't, I mean, it's amazing. They, you know, they only do it because God tells them to do it, and that's, oh, yeah. that is it. Like, that, there is no reason why they should be able to do that on their own. Yeah. Um, saw one, it was a birch tree, and it just astounds me. It's not even that far from here. No. Um, cool. Yeah, and 
it just, you know, you look at the birch tree and this is a... Well, how much do you know about seeds? Uh, with trees? or a Any seeds. I mean... I, I mean... Your, are, your basic biology. Okay, well, let, let me ask you just normal questions. Okay. Because I wonder sometimes. So seeds, they're not really alive. There's nothing in them that's alive. Right. It's it, well. I mean. So what makes kind of. them come alive? Yeah, it's weird. Because I mean, they they have cells that are alive, but as a like larger organism in and of themselves, they're not. Do they have a thermostat? <laughs> I mean, I've I've heard again. These are my own questions, but you hear like. People who know plants say, well, it's got to go through a winter and think, yeah. how did it know it went through a winter? They need so many cold days in their dormancy before they, yeah. I, okay, so how do they know that? Do they have a brain? They do not. All right. They don't have a brain. As far as I know, they're not alive. I mean, they might have cells that look like they're alive or whatever, but they don't have a brain. They're not alive. They need to go through a certain dormancy period. So who tells them when it's up? There are a lot of seeds out there. When you think about it, and somehow it works. Mm-hmm. And not only does it work, but year after year, and soil to soil. Yeah. Like. And it's transferred. I mean, a bird eats it here and puts it over there. And, you know, I, when you think about the magnificence of that. It's astounding. Yeah, and, and it's a dumb seed. <laughs> In reality. Yeah, I mean, no, it's... I, we're not having any philosophical debates with pine cones. It has zero intelligence. Yeah. So in the process, when those things grow, you know. And then when they grow, you know, I mean, my master's actually is in science and education. So I've, I've looked at these things over and over and over again trying to figure out. I mean, just think about the process. Um, you, you've had homemade maple syrup up here. Oh, yes. Every day, pretty much. Yeah. Well, th well think about that process. So, so the tree sits... The roots go down into the ground, and it sucks up muddy, dirty water. Mm -hmm. Now, the water that it's drinking, if you drank it, you'd probably be sick. But it sucks that up into the roots, takes it all the way up. So, you know, what is it that makes it go up? Oh, it has, like, trees have, like, and plants in general, they have, um, I don't remember what they're called, but they have, like, veins pretty much that constrict. Right, so it goes up. So the stuff goes up, and it goes into the leaves. Yeah. And the leaves then combine with sunlight, photos, uh, uh, um, chlorophyll, mm -hmm. and, and uh, absorbs our carbon dioxide. They give off oxygen, and they turn that dirty water into sugar. And then send it back down. And send it back down. And that nourishes the tree. Insane. Now, that's pretty incredible when you think about it. It is incredible. It's dirty water that we put on our pancakes. In a way. And it's so good. So I guess what I, I hope our listeners are doing is saying, I, I need to broaden my thought process of the greatness of God. When I'm having real maple syrup on a pancake, I need to think about how marvelous God really is and what he can do. Just from maple syrup or just from seeing a seed grow. Mm -hmm. I, I think the depth of, the, there's many ways that God communicates. First and foremost, he communicates through his son, Jesus Christ. He communicates through his word, but he also communicates through his creation he to does. us. And I think that's one of the weird things that uh, we as a culture have done is we've tried to regulate God to the back seat uh, and say that the world came into existence all by itself. Yeah. There's too many weirdnesses. It doesn't work for me. Same. Yeah. 
you know, I mean, the seed, the maple syrup. Uh, you're, are you familiar with the lake turnover that happens up in the northern lakes? Um, no. Okay, so it's, it's, it's a real simple idea. Uh, water has some really weird qualities. Uh, as far as the science of it, like sure. when it freezes, it expands. A lot of other things, when they freeze, they actually get condensed. Mm-hmm. But water expands. So you, that's why things break when you have water freezing them. Who hasn't left their water bottle in the car Exactly, overnight, and know. it just freezes, it'll bust, or it'll expand, it'll look ugly, whatever it might be. However, water, and, and I don't have my temperatures right, so some scientist out there can write me and give me all the exact figures, but water is at its densest point about 44 degrees. Uh, that would be Fahrenheit if you're listening to one of those logical nations that uses Celsius for everything. <laughs> but uh, 44 degrees Fahrenheit, about. Now, if you think about it, the density of the water. Have you ever swam in a lake where you notice the bottom of the lake's cooler than the top? Oh, yeah. Okay, so the bottom of the lake, let's say in the summer, is 60 degrees. The top of the lake is 72. So then the fall comes, and it starts to cool the top of the lake, just cools it. It's not cooling the bottom as fast. It's cooling the top now fast. So the top goes to, you know, 60 degrees. The bottom is 59 only. It only went one degree more. And the top keeps going. It keeps getting cooler. When the top hits 44 degrees, the water is as dense as it's going to get. And it actually changes place with the bottom water. Boom. It's called lake turnover. That's cool. And when that happens, it's about to freeze over. Hmm. Because then the top layer, the dense water will stay at the bottom now, and that top will continue to lower its temperature until it freezes over and expands, (laughs) capping the lake for the winter. Now, what did it do? It just flipped the lake over, mixed all the nutrients up, all that good stuff, so the fish can live throughout the winter, and, and basically caps it so that there's a safety zone for those fish. Wow. Then the spring, it does the exact opposite. As the top gets 44, the bottom isn't at 44, whatever it's at, and it goes, Foof, quick, quick recovery, let's get going. You know, and then you got the summer. So you just, if you just pause long enough and say, wow. Um, we had uh, one year, we had some students run up and get me there's something weird in the lake, and it was actually doing the turnover thing. I mean, it's not, it's not major. It's not like a, a, the party of the Red Sea or anything, but right. you can see dirt flying around. I mean, it's changing. Sure. And uh, so in the fall up here, all of those things happen. The, the leaves turn colors. You know why they turn colors? Um, I mean, I imagine it's – I'm not specific. Which, which trees are the brightest? It's going uh, to be our sugar maples. Yeah, and it's because of the key word you just said. Sugar. Yeah, what happens again in God's – think of this. I grew up in Chicago. Mm-hmm. So we used to go to the hardware store and buy fertilizer for our postage stamp lawn that sure. we had. Yeah. So here's how God fertilizes. So he takes that tree, and he's got all that sugar made in that tree, and, that, and most of the year the sugar's getting thrown, uh, summer anyway, the sugar's getting thrown back down, the tree's growing. So now it's the fall. Mm-hmm. And, and, and there's a little trap door in the little stem that goes out to the leaf. And when sunlight gets a certain amount per day, and I'm not sure when that is, that little trap door will go, but it's a one-way door. So to let the nutrients up, 
but it won't let anything down anymore. Hmm. You know, it's kind of like a check valve. Sure. So then you got all this water coming in, all the nutrients coming in the leaf. The leaf is making sugar, but it can't get out of the leaf. So now the leaf is full of sugar, and it keeps getting sugarer, sugarery more. And and before you know it, it's bright colors because of it. So your oaks that don't have a lot of sugar content are pretty dull. Sure. But your maples are pretty bright because of all the sugar. And your mm-hmm. your uh, sumacs. Your birch the, trees. Yeah, the birch trees. Yeah. So the, if they're yellow, they're kind of in the middle there. If they're red, they're kind of sugary trees. And if they're, you know, like the oak, kind of a, a dark it's almost brown right away. Right. Not too much sugar in it. But when you think of it, then that leaf falls off. What's it full of? All that sugar. Fertilizes that ground for the next year. Mm-hmm. It takes about five years, actually, but you got all these layers of sugar sitting on the ground to go back into the root system for that tree to give it a boost for the years to come. That is and cool. since in Chicago we rake all those up and don't do anything, we got to go buy stuff to put on the lawn because we take everything that's on the lawn off the lawn. God so. did not desire us to have green grass lawns. No, must not have. I don't know. <laughs> but I, 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 it's those kinds of things, I think, that can enrich a, a, a person's life. Yeah. I mean, and there's just more and more knowledge all the way through that. You know, those those trees, like that's – it gets even crazier when you move from one tree to the next because you know you might have one tree that is doing super well and one tree next to it that's not doing well at all and these trees through like through the root system which connect via fungal networks right they'll share sugars with trees next to them that aren't doing well right that's why a lot of times too like you'll see a tree that was partially cut off or fell over and it's still bringing out leaves the next uh, the next spring and that's because it's brothers and sisters next to it are just carrying the weight for it yeah you know it, it's amazing when you look at it even when you think of how god um i there there's no life in this world apart from death and when i taught fifth grade i used to tell my students all the time i i would give them straight a's in every course if they could tell me any food that they ate that wasn't killed to keep them alive. There has to be a death for you to live. And, of course, I was trying to teach the spiritual principles of public school, but there is no life apart from dying. But the Bible makes that clear. There's no spiritual life apart from Christ's death. There is no life, as you and I would like to experience, apart from us dying to ourselves. And when we do that, the very death brings forth life. So if you go into the forest... The, the leaves, the dead animals, the, the, that's what nourishes that ground. Mm-hmm. And that death nourishes the life. It, you go into the lake. Have you ever taken the monk out of the bottom of the lake? Um, not on purpose. I have. I had this brilliant idea. I will share <laughs> it with you. This is a private thing. I don't want anyone else to know about it, Deal. apart from all those listening. I, I, th- I had this brilliant idea that, years ago during an um, energy crisis, that everything at the bottom of this lake, I call it the muck layer, all that mm-hmm. stuff that smells like sewage. If you go down there and take that out, I thought, and dry it out, it'd be like coal. I mean, it's all organic. If you could just dry it out and light it, it, it probably would burn like coal. And, uh, of course, I had to go get some and put it in my backyard to dry it out. And uh, so I get it back there, and, and my wife goes, Dave, what's that smell? Oof. And I'm thinking, well, like, she knows I have harebrained ideas. I mean, 
she married me. It's all and those I, dead leaves and fish parts. It's and... it, it's it's <laughs> as bad as can be. The smell is not anything you want to have anywhere. That water holds it all down. That smell, but you do not want to smell that. So I I never really finished it because she just didn't desire me to have that in the backyard, and go through the process. But I thought, oh, we're going to be billionaires. I'll take all this muck and just spread it out and dry it, chop it into bits and give it to people for their, their heating. Make some fire bricks out of it. didn't work. Uh, now, it might have. I've yeah. never finished it. So I'm, I'm not closing the door. I'm just saying it uh, smelled too badly, and it's not going to happen on my watch. So... If any of the listeners decide to try this, let us know. Yeah, please. And I should get a cut for Silver Birch Ranch on that if, if it does work. So. <laughs> no, just kidding. Uh, I know we started at the, at the beginning of our time here just talking about the importance of getting away. And I think what we've tried to do in the last oh, almost half hour is encourage people by telling them how they can rethink things through. Mm-hmm. Go out in the woods. Go stand at the edge of a river. Spend some time out there alone with God and, and put life into perspective. Um, we used to, I used to take kids out on horses for a week at a time. And uh, believe it or not, leading a, a group of people on horseback for a week, walking through the woods, um, was somewhat boring at times because I was just walking down this path. Now, you have to know that I lived out in the woods, so when you have real familiarity with something, it, that's when you got to work at it. But I remember one day I was riding, and I said, God, you said we could know who you are by your creation. I want to know, if I just look at these trees, how will I know you? And I spent the whole week just staring at trees, trying to figure out how God could use them. And I tell you, it was one of the best weeks I had out in the woods. In a quick summary, just a little thing, I noticed that if you just would let your eyes follow a tree and it's healthy, now there's a lot of pine trees where I was at this mm-hmm. point, but if you just let your eyes follow them, they pointed to God. And, and if they weren't pointing, they were bowing. The branches would go up first and then come down. And they were either pointing or bowing, and if they weren't doing that, they were dead. And I thought, okay, that's pretty cool. You know, I, I have a choice. I can point to you or bow to you. And if not, I don't have much of a life. So um, it's one of those things. So going out in the woods, going out in a boat, going on a river, going to a place like the Wolf River Refuge, uh, coming to the Nicolay Bible Institute for a year and getting out of the normal whatever you're in uh, might be very good for you. And not just because Matthew's here or I'm here, but because you need to change your place and your pace every once in a while so that you can change your perspective. I think it's Psalm 96 says that the fields of the forest, uh, the fields will rejoice and the trees of the forest will uh, sing praises again. Yeah, they'll clap their hands, clap actually. Their hands. Yeah. yeah. So it, it's an interesting um, thing that God does. I often thought, you know, the rocks will cry out to them. They're mm-hmm. smarter than people most of the time because the rocks will cry out and most people don't. Uh, I want to encourage you come up and visit Wolf River Refuge in Matthew. Uh, our time for this segment has run out, but we're going we're gonna to have another segment, so I hope you join us again. You can go back to Relate365.com and download any or all the episodes we've done up till now, and hopefully they're, they're things that are, will encourage you and challenge you and, and show you how much God loves you. Um, but for now, I'm Dave Wager, and I'm with Matthew. 
here in the studios of Relate365.com. Uh, thank you for listening. We'll be back in a bit. <laughs>